Let's pray. God, we thank You for this morning. We come before You, Lord, as Your children, adopted as sons and daughters because of Christ's blood that was shed on the cross. We come before You as Your, as your children, You are Father. And Lord, we just want to say thank You. Lord, I pray that during this time where we talk about prayer specifically, I pray, Lord, that we're reminded why prayer is so vital, why it's important for us as Christians to stay connected to You, our Heavenly Father. So God, I pray that you just bless us during this time. I pray that I'm in tune with the Holy Spirit, that I speak your truths, not my own. And Lord, I just pray that, um, again, this morning, this, this message can be convicting, can be joyful. And Lord, I just pray that it's honoring to you. In your name we pray this in Jesus. Amen. So over the last couple of weeks, we've started this, this side series, or this, this new series, based on a question I was asked and the question was, what is your church all about? So that very first week, I gave the simple answer, the Sunday school answer. It's not a trick question. The church is all about Jesus Christ. We worship Him, or we're supposed to be worshiping Him every Sunday. If not, we're in trouble. And last week, what we did was we started looking at different disciplines or different aspects or elements of how we worship Jesus on Sunday mornings here at New Village Church and as the global church be worshiping Jesus together. So last week we looked about we looked on worshiping him through singing his praise aka just singing songs, music. A lot of times we we separate it and we say oh worship is just music, it's just singing, but there's so much more to it than that. So last Sunday as a little bit of a recap, we saw that the Bible commands or expects us to sing before the Lord, to sing his praise. And that singing God's praise is not about us. As we sing to Him, it rightfully so takes us out of our circumstances, either good or bad, and puts the focus, puts the joy, puts everything, the, the glory and the honor on Him. We also looked at that singing praises to God, it reflects, it mimics the, the nature of the triune God we worship. We looked at a couple verses that God the Father sings. Jesus Christ sang. The Spirit leads us to sing songs of thanksgiving. And the main takeaway is that we should be a singing church full of singing believers, singing the name of Jesus. And this morning what we're going to do is we're going to look at yet another way that we worship God and we're going to look at it through prayer. And as I said, each service that we go through, we're going to talk about tithing next Sunday, we'll talk about serving on that last Sunday to end this mini-series. But this Sunday in particular, I'm going to shorten the sermon length because it would be a shame to preach and talk and to say everything I have to say about prayer without having a time of prayer. It would be foolish. So as I prepared for this week's sermon, I really was convicted this week. About halfway through this week, I found myself reading a lot about prayer, reading books, reading Bible verses, Googling it, just every sort of avenue I went down studying prayer, and I realized I haven't really been praying more. It hasn't affected my prayer life. It affected my thought and my knowledge and, my, and, and everything about it, but I wasn't actually praying more. And as I studied, I was convicted, and it led me to evaluate how I spend my time, to make intentional time for prayer. That as God puts someone on my heart or my mind, just take a moment and pray. I don't need to take an hour in my office to just go into this, this deep prayer time. That's good. You can do that. But you could also take that moment where God puts someone on your heart or heart, your mind, to pray for them. 
So again, it's one thing to preach all about the importance, the power, the necessity of prayer, but it's another to actually put those words into practice. So that's what we'll do here this morning at the end of service, and I'll lead us in a prayer time, and when we get there, I'll talk more about it. But I was thinking of some of the reasons why we don't pray. All right, maybe some of these are, you've used before. I'm too busy, or I don't have time. I don't. I'm too tired, or I forgot. I went the whole day and I just forgot. God wasn't on my mind. Or I don't want to bother God and His time with my request. Or on the flip side, I don't really need God's help for this. I can do it by myself. I don't need anything. Or I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. I don't want to be seen. I don't want to be heard praying. In high school, when I had this really legalistic view of Christianity, right? making sure on the outside I looked good, but inwardly I was far from Christ and doing the things I should be as a Christian. I remember I was like, I need to pray in school and I need to do it because if I don't, I'm going to get in trouble and it's going to be bad. So what I used to do, and that was a, a, a wrong concept of prayer, what I used to do at lunchtime was I would drop my chocolate milk on the floor and as I would pick it up, I'd go, Dear God, thank you for this food. Blessed bless it, nourish my body. Amen. And then I'd come back up and I was like, oh, I got my chocolate milk. We're good. Right? No one could see me bend down and pray because I was too afraid to go like this and pray in public. That, I, I was. So like singing, we're commanded to pray. Prayer is vital for the believer. A Christian who does not pray, now bear with me, maybe this analogy is, is, is silly, but just bear with me. A Christian who does not pray is like a baker who doesn't bake. How could you call yourself a baker if you don't bake? I would say the same thing. How could you call yourself a Christian if you never pray? It's an oxymoron. So if you have your notes and you want to follow along, we're going to look at three truths that Scripture reveals, or or maybe questions that we'll answer when it comes to prayer. The first is this. Why is prayer so vital? Why? Why is it vital for every Christian? A simple definition is this. Prayer is communicating with God. It's talking to the Creator of all. And oftentimes we take for granted the gift, the privilege of prayer. Just think of this for a second. The one who made the stars, the galaxy, the sun, the mountains, the oceans, everyone, everything wants us to talk to him. He wants us to talk with him. Prayer is so vital that even Jesus took the time to pray to his father. So we have Jesus being our example of showing us how to pray throughout the Gospel of Luke. Luke's Gospel contains the most stories about, of, of Jesus praying than any other Gospel. It actually starts off, his Gospel account starts off with an answered prayer request. It starts with Zechariah and Elizabeth, who are John the Baptist's parents. We knew that they were praying for a child. And an angel appears to Zechariah while he's in the temple and says that the Lord has answered his prayer. I love it. Luke's Gospel starts off with an answered prayer request. Jesus starts off his ministry in prayer. In Luke chapter 3, when we talk about Jesus being baptized, when Luke mentions it, in Luke chapter 3, verse 21, he says this, Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, did you catch that? And was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Jesus starts his ministry with prayer. He prioritized prayer all throughout his ministry. 
He prays alone. There are a ton of verses in Luke's Gospel and other Gospels that talk about Jesus going to isolated places, Jesus going away from the crowds to pray, to take intentional time alone to be with his Father. He even pushed away from crowds to pray. And this one, I'm like, I don't know if I would do this. And let me, let me explain. In Luke 5, it says, But now even more the report about him went abroad, that's Jesus, and great crowds gathered to hear Jesus and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Now, in my mind, if people were flocking to me to hear me speak, right, and to, and to, to come to me, right, to hear the gospel, we see them doing that to Jesus, but what does he do? He, he, he pushes them away. He actually goes away because why? He knows the importance and how vital it is to be in prayer to his Father. That even in his, the busyness of his ministry, listen, a lot of us are busy. I know that. I know that. When you read through the Gospels and you pick up on some of the language that the Gospel writers use of thousands of people always crowding to Jesus, they're looking for him. Our last sermon series in John's Gospel, the crowd was fed and Jesus went away from them because they wanted to make him king. And we learn the next day they're still looking for Jesus. They're always looking for him because he's healing people. He's preaching to them the kingdom of God. Even Jesus was busy, but he took time to pray. He didn't use his busyness as an excuse. Okay, God, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, Father, I, just, I, I was too busy healing people today. I didn't pray. Or I, was too, I was too busy preaching your name to pray. And if we're to follow Jesus as our ultimate example as he's our master and we're his students or disciples, followers, we should be mimicking him. Right? We can't hide behind that excuse, I'm too busy for prayer. If anybody had the right to say that, Jesus did, but he didn't. Jesus even taught his disciples to pray. You have the Lord's Prayer. That came from a question brought up, Jesus, teach us how to pray. He taught them to pray for those who persecute you. Pray for your enemies. He took some of his disciples up on the mountain to pray. That's the Mount of Transfiguration. He taught them to pray for more laborers, pray for more people to spread the gospel. He taught his disciples to pray without giving up, to pray with persistence. In Luke 18, as he gives them the parable of the persistent widow, he starts off by saying, or Luke says this, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. Not lose heart. That convicted me because there are times where I pray and I lose heart. There, there is. There are times. But what do we see from Jesus? Pray and do not lose heart. Jesus even prays the night of his betrayal and the night or the day of his crucifixion. He knows what's coming, and yet he still prays. In Luke 22, he pours out his heart to his Father. And that's where you get the story of him sweating blood. In Luke 23, he prays and asks his Father to forgive his murderers while he's hanging on the cross. And the people there are, are gambling away his clothes, spitting on him, mocking him. He prays and asks the Father to forgive them. He cries out to God with his final breaths. And from reading these verses, it's clear that Jesus prayed. You can't get around that fact. It's a fact. He valued it so much that he taught his followers, his disciples to pray. And this is what I love. He then practiced what he preached. Right? As he said to them, pray for those who hurt you, what do we see and read Jesus doing as he's hanging on the cross? Praying for those who are physically, literally hurting him. He wasn't a hypocrite. And my thought is this, if Jesus valued prayer this highly, and he's God, 
how much more should we be in a constant communication with our Heavenly Father, who's our Creator? And where is creation? So just think about that. How did Jesus view prayer? It was vital. He spent time, He took time, intentional time to pray. The second thing we know about prayer is that when we pray, it's an expression of our relationship with God. We honor God by prioritizing time to talk with Him, to be with Him. We worship God through praying with Him. Why? Because we're giving Him glory. We're saying, God, I trust You. God, I love You. Prayer assumes that we have a relationship with the Father as His children. Just a silly analogy. I can be married to Stephanie and never talk to her. Right? I could legally be married and never talk to her, but then if I asked you, you know, how's our relationship, you'd probably say, well, that's it's poor, it's foolish. If I know one thing about marriage, is communication is key. It is. The same is true for Christians. When we pray, right, we honor God, we're taking time to what? To think about Him, to worship Him, to glorify Him, to say, God, I love You. God, I trust You. A Christian with a poor prayer life, I guarantee, has a poor relationship with the Lord. The last thing about prayer is it's a confession of our dependency on God. Again, as we pray, we're saying, God, I love you, but God, I need you. I need you. Prayer is both a gift and an obligation. It's a privilege. It's a responsibility. It's a discipline but it's a delight. It's both. Again, prayer is trusting in God's power and His sovereignty. And it leads to our next point. How should we pray? How should we pray? If the Bible teaches, if Jesus showed us the example, prayer is important, and we're supposed to pray, how do we pray? Throughout the New Testament, it's mentioned three times by Paul or not by Paul, but three times, to pray in the Spirit. In the Spirit. Listen to what Jude writes in in Jude, chapter 1, verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. In Ephesians 6, Keith read our Scripture verses. It says to pray at all times in the Spirit. And here's what I have to say. Praying in the Spirit does not refer to the words that we say. Right? You might hear praying in the Spirit and think, oh, Pentecostal, charismatic. Praying in the Spirit is not the words that we say, but it rather refers to how we are to pray. The attitude we have when it comes to praying. We are to pray in accordance to the Holy Spirit. His leading, His direction, His guidance. It's praying for the things that He leads us to pray for. His will. So now we can't hide behind the excuse, well, I have nothing to pray for. Because listen to what Paul says in Romans 8. Romans 8, 26, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit Himself, intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. He who searches hearts and knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So how are we to pray? In the Spirit. In His leading, His direction, His guidance. 
The second way we're to pray is to both pray alone, but pray corporately. Pray together. As Christians, we should be praying by ourselves. If Jesus did it, so should we. And I can kind of leave it there, but, but I won't. But Jesus also preached on it. He says this on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Right? He's talking about their heart attitude. Not that they're in public praying, but their heart attitude. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward, but when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. You don't have to be at church to pray and that God can hear you. Jesus just says you can be by yourself. You could be off in a, a hidden prayer closet and God sees and hears you. Right? This speaks of our attitude when it comes to prayer. We shouldn't be looking for recognition or praise while we pray. We shouldn't be using these big words to impress people or theological beliefs or anything to impress people. You can use it to glorify God, but once you start to do it for your own glory and praise, you take worship away from God. Again, prayer is communicating with our Heavenly Father. It's praising His name. It's honoring Him. All right, so we're to pray alone, but on the flip side, as a church, we should be praying together corporately. Luke, who also wrote the book of Acts, records a ton of prayer in the early church. In Acts 2, they devoted themselves to prayer. In Acts 4, they prayed and the place where they gathered was shaken by the power of prayer. In Acts 12, they prayed earnestly for Peter while he was imprisoned. After James was killed, James was just killed. Peter is imprisoned and what's the church doing? They're praying. They're not giving up. They're not losing heart. They're praying to the Lord together. One commentary author summarized the early church in Acts, and I love his quote. This is what he said. When they were fearful, they prayed. When they were confused, they prayed. When they were waiting for God to fulfill the promise to them, His promise to them, they prayed. When they needed an answer to a question, they prayed. And it just got me thinking. Are we, New Village Church, are we a praying church with a praying people or are we simply a church that sometimes prays? Just, just think about that. Are we a praying church? Is prayer in our DNA? Is it a foundational truth and, and discipline of our church? Or do we just use prayer as a little sprinkling seasoning on top when we need it to taste, for it to taste a little better? It just convicted me this week. The last thing we see how we should pray is we should constantly be in prayer. Constantly. Listen to Paul's attitude when he talks and speaks about praying to the early churches. <clears throat> in 1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. In Ephesians 6, pray at all times in the Spirit. Colossians 4, continue steadfastly in prayer. Philippians 4, let all our requests be made known to God. Not some of the requests we have. All of our requests. And it says, with thanksgiving, we give them over to God. Romans 12, be constantly in prayer. As I mentioned before, do we treat prayer like a seasoning on top of a steak? Or is our life consumed? Is it a part of our foundational relationship with Jesus Christ? <clears throat> our lives should be saturated with prayer. Like Paul, we should constantly be in communication with the Lord through prayer. 
And I was thinking, how do we do this? How can we pray without ceasing? How do we pray at all times? Some simple things we can do is pray throughout the day. Right? As you think of someone or something that God puts on your mind, pray. There's been times where I talk to people and they say, oh, this is going on, can you pray for me? And I'll say, yeah, I'll pray for you. And then I hang up the phone and I never pray. How about taking the five seconds or the, the two minutes to what? Actually pray with somebody before you walk away, before you hang up the phone. Another way, how do we do this? Have an attitude of thanksgiving to God. Throughout the day, thank Him for the small blessings. God, we thank You for this beautiful building that we're protected from the sun, the cold weather, the hot weather. We have air conditioner. We have heat. Thank You we have pews that we can sit down. We're not standing the whole time. Right, little things, little things on our minds. Thank God for them. As I mentioned before, we need to be connected to God's Word. There is a correlation. There's been studies done between our prayer life and our knowledge of God's Word. Or the amount of time you, you are invested or the amount of time you spend reading God's Word. There's a direct relationship. <clears throat> if you're not reading your Bible, it's expected that you're probably not praying. Another thing, don't wait until just bad times to pray. Don't wait for just temptations when they come in. Don't just pray as they happen, but pray beforehand. Pray before bad things happen. Pray for protection. Pray for joy. Sometimes for me, and I'm talking for me, sometimes my own pride and arrogance gets in the way for me to fully depend on God. I have this attitude of God, I have it. I, 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 I don't need to fully depend on you because I can do this. I have the power to do this. There are times where I've, been, I've had this notion, I've had this thought, especially in college. I think of a time where one of my classes, we had to plan a youth retreat. And I didn't like the people in my group. We were led as a group, we were supposed to lead our youth retreat. I didn't like these people, I didn't trust them. I said, I'm just going to do everything myself because I know it'll get done, because I know it'll be good. <laughs> what a prideful, arrogant thing to say. And what happened was the day of the retreat, guess what? I got sick. I got sick. I couldn't even do what I had the one task I was supposed to do. Someone else had to do it. And looking back, I think that's God saying, yeah, you think you got this without me? Let's see. So for me, sometimes my pride and arrogance gets in the way. I have to be more humble. I have to think humbly. <clears throat> I don't want to dwell too much longer, and, and I'll end with this last point. I said it's going to be a little bit shorter today. The last point is this. Prayer is our weapon in the spiritual battles. Prayer is our weapon. Keith read Ephesians 6.10 where Paul talks about the full armor of God, commanding the believers to put on the full armor. But I love at the end, he commands us to pray. Right? Be a soldier, put on the full armor of God, and then what? Pray. Prayer is just as important as any other piece of armor in the spiritual battles. As I was preparing this week, and I forgot to, to open up with this, so I just want to say it now at the end. For one of my online classes, I'm supposed to be <clears throat> reading books, and one of the books I read this week was called The Potential and the Power of Prayer by Chuck uh, Lawless. And this book really convicted me of my own prayer life. It, was, it had me asking myself questions. It had joy of, of why we pray. And, and a lot of the truth from this sermon I found from this book. And I don't know when or how I can do this, but I'd love to do a small group with the church on this book. I think it's that vital and important. It's a great tool 
right, to be used with the Bible. Right? So these two can be used hand with hand, but obviously God's Word is more important. But this book talks all about the importance of prayer. And if you're interested in it, you can, you can come check it out or borrow it from me. But that's my encouragement. So again, prayer is our, is our weapon in spiritual battles. <clears throat> what I want to do to end the service, and this is going to be a little bit weird, or it might be a little bit out of your comfort zones, <clears throat> I want to have three times of prayer. And what I mean by that is the first prayer time, I'm going to invite the worship team in a few moments to come on, sta- on, on the platform up here. They're going to lead us in two more songs, and I want to challenge you as a church, if you want to stand or stay seated, but use these two songs to what? To lead you to prayer to the Lord. Take time to be alone with Him. If you want to confess your sins, if you want to glorify His name, if you want to thank Him for the blessings that you have in your life. Right? Take these two songs and the time here to pray with your, with, by yourself. After these two songs, I want to invite us to break out into some small groups. I know this might be a little scary, might be intimidating, but we shouldn't be embarrassed to pray and bring our request before the Lord. We shouldn't be embarrassed to tell each other our prayer requests, our burdens. We're going to do some small group prayers, and in that time you're going to pray for each other. And I want you to pray for the church as well. Pray for the church leaders and pray for each other. And then lastly, I'm going to lead us in a pastoral elder prayer. And I'm going to follow, if you have your notes, I'm going to follow the ACTS format. This is just one way of praying. You can follow it if you'd like in your own prayer life. You don't have to. But it stands for A, adoration, C, confession, T, thanksgiving, and S, supplication. Now lead us in a prayer time with that to end the service. So let's bow our heads. We're going to, we're going to pray. I'll invite the worship team to, to join me up on the platform. And during the singing of these two songs, I'm going to ask Mark Harrigan, one of our elders, to stay by the organ. I'll be up by the piano. And if the Lord leads you and you want prayer for anything specific or in particular, during the music, you can come out of your seats, come up front, and we'll pray with you one-on-one during this, during this worship time. So let's, let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you that you are a God that loves us. You're a God that pursues us. You're a God that invites us to have a relationship, to talk to you, to talk with you. Lord, we thank you from your word, from the promises of Scripture that you hear us. That we're not just praying and our prayers are getting lost somewhere in the sky or somewhere wherever, not making it. We know that you hear our prayers. Lord, sometimes you say no to prayer. Sometimes you say yes, and sometimes you say not yet. But Lord, I pray that we can pray without ceasing, that we pray without losing heart. Lord, I pray that we believe in the power of prayer. Sometimes, Lord, we don't pray because we think you can't do it. I pray if we've ever thought that you forgive us, that we remember who we're praying to, the creator of all, the one who made all things, who spoke the world into existence. So God, we just love you. And Lord, I just pray for this prayer time, this intentional time of prayer as a church. I pray we take advantage of this. That stirs our hearts. I pray that through our prayer we worship you. We remember everything that you've done, all the promises, everything that Jesus has done for us. I pray we get the attention off of ourselves and onto you. 
In Jesus, it's in your name we pray this all in. Amen.